welcome back to that Shady Buffalo podcast, a podcast about unimportant things that for some reason are important to us. I'm your host, David Cole, and this week we're going to talk about Stranger Things for all of it. <laughs> and we're going to do this once again with Carson and Brooke. So I'm going to just start us right off with our first question, which will just be your overall thoughts on the seasons, on the season. Two seasons, kind of, because I mean, like, part one, part two. But we'll, we'll go over our overall thoughts, big picture stuff. We're not going to get into all of the synopsis and all of the nitty-gritty of the entire season. That would take us way too long. And that would be probably something that could be done in maybe five to ten episodes, not in one or two. So this could be a part one, could be a part, uh, could be all in one episode, or it could be part one, part two. So we'll see what happens. Worst case scenario two episodes we'll be talking about Stranger Things 4. So first, we're going to go into our overall thoughts, and that's how I will bring in two guests, Carson and Brooke. Carson, start us off with your just big picture overall thoughts on this season. Yeah, so I thought it was uh, really, really good. I think part of the thing with Stranger Things is that each season brings something new and brings something uh, vastly different than what you've gotten before. In season one, you have this almost like bottle of a season where everything's in Hawkins and it's has its super unique feel tone. Um, and it's kind of unlike anything we've ever seen before. And then in season two, you get um, a little bit different of a take on that. You expand a little bit. Um, you get some great character development season three, you know, that's super fun. It's a more lighthearted season. And then uh, season four kind of took a drastic turn and um, was a little, was obviously scarier you got um, just some wildly different aspects. And so I think the fact that they were able to take what they've already done in seasons one, two, three, build upon it and not only make it um, kind of lean into some more of the horror elements, but also give you a lot of the backstory that we didn't have previously, because that's kind of from this universe, that was one of the huge things we were missing. So them filling in those gaps, adding new things, but it's still feeling um, extremely fresh was, was really exciting. So that's kind of my general, like, um, takeaway from the season of, uh, what I appreciated about it. Cool. What about you? Uh, yeah, this is my, this is now my second favorite Stranger Things season. It's the only reason it's not my favorite is because you really can't beat the first season because the first season felt so different from everything else that was on tv at the time i mean i don't really have anything else to add to what carson said it's really good you start off really strong with the first couple episodes that are straight up horror movies yeah and it just gets better from there (laughs) yeah I, i would agree i think that for now it's my second favorite season where i've told some people i could definitely see in a few years um, once we get the fifth season, I could see this passing season one, either like after season five comes out or maybe in like five years when I rewatch all of it again. And some of the, some of the nostalgia that I have only for season one and maybe parts of two or three, mostly just, mostly just one, um, I'll have equal nostalgia for all of it instead of just for the old season, the first season more than anything else. So, you know, right now it's too fresh for me to really have any um like nostalgic rose-colored glass type you know view on the new season so i think that 
once that kind of levels itself out, I could see this season being my favorite of the first four so far. Um, but for now, you know, it's nothing. Um, it's not a slight at all to say that it is the second best season. And uh, I think it is pretty clearly the second best season. A lot of people have problems with seasons two and three. I don't think any of us really dislike those seasons, but many people really do. Um, and I don't, but even still that first season to me is head and shoulders above the second and third ones. And this one is right there with the first season to me. Um, what you, what were you guys thoughts on the season length and episode length? Carson, was that something that you appreciated that you want to see moving forward or what do you think about that? Yeah. So I absolutely loved it. Um, I understand some of the qualms with it. Um, but for me, I feel like the most impressive thing about this show, like not only like it, it's creative, yes. And it's, it's a fun take on, of like a period piece of a show. Um, but I think the most impressive thing and my, honestly, when it comes down to it, my favorite thing about the show in general is that they don't really waste time. They, yeah. you, you're always getting a development in the story. Um, and as I feel like I've talked about a bazillion times, I don't know <laughs> if I've discussed it on this specific podcast or not, um, but it drives me nuts when I feel, when I feel like a show gets uh, stagnant, like if there's an overarching story in that has not been advanced uh, in a couple episodes. And I feel like we're just sitting still yeah. and just burning daylight. Um, especially if you know you're getting a limited quantity whereas for this it was like even if they did burn daylight I knew that we were getting so much more time each episode I think the average episode time was a little over an hour and 15 minutes maybe on the season as a whole yeah um, and it's hard to say because that finale is to being two and a half yeah. hours really skewed things yeah I think the average episode probably would have been like an hour which is yeah. not that much longer than normal but that finale like if you don't count the finale as a part of the average yeah. Right. In episode six, when it was, I think it was an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so you just, longer uh, times, uh, like run times and everything, it it let some of the plot lines kind of just like develop and simmer. And you got more of those character moments uh, yeah. that paid off later. And so, and that's something I always appreciate. Yeah. So I, I was, uh, I love when they announced that um, and we're like releasing the episode uh, and like the volume lengths. I was runtime super yeah. hype. Yeah. When they were uh, sending those out, like on social media things, I was really, really excited about that. Um, and I think it pays off uh, and it, and it definitely strengthens the season and the story that it tries to tell. Yeah. Brooke, any thoughts on the, those like massive run times? Um, I mean, they, yeah, they were all long, but they didn't feel overly long because you like Carson said you were getting actual information in every scene yeah. that helped progress the plot it wasn't just like like I can't think of anything that was just like filler and why is this here yeah um, one thing that I've one argument I've heard that I can see merit in um and I, I don't have a problem that they did not take this route uh as the you know the, the duffers themselves as the, the writers but the one argument I've seen is you could have made this normal or close to normal lengths if you cut out the Russia storyline, if you had kept Hopper dead and they just don't go to Russia and Murray and um, you'd have Murray and Joyce be with, probably be with Jonathan and Will, give them something to do there or, or keep Murray and Hawkins with that crew and keep Joyce with her kids. Um, I mean, I love Hopper and I, I wanted to see him in Eleven's reunion. I wanted to see him in Joyce's reunion. So 
I'm happy they did not do that. Uh, although I will say the Russia, the Russia stuff, it was consistently my least favorite of the season. We can get into that in a little bit, but um, basically, if you cut all of that out, the average would be, would be brought down probably below an hour or right around an hour instead of being closer to like an hour fifteen, an hour thirty. Uh, so you know, if if you know you didn't like the fake out death of Hopper, then they you know they do some things to make it worth it, but I don't think they fully do enough. If you were if you were really like put off by that. I was not put off by that. So I didn't love the Russia stuff, but I was like, this is good. And there's some great moments, which we'll get into actually pretty soon. But I, I would say moving forward, I'm happy they did say they're not going to have those same length of episodes in season five. They've said they're going to be closer to normal or they just, they've said, we're not going to do what we did in season four. Um, and if you look at interviews, which this is part of why I'm okay with the length to me, what they've said basically was, they started production, they got a script together, and then, then COVID hit and they had to shut down for six months. And they spent those six months looking at the script, meeting on Zoom like we are now and things like that to talk about the scenes and to go scene by scene and figure things out and to figure out some missing pieces. And so a lot of the things that they added during that time were character building moments. Uh, the, the biggest example that I can point to, well, for one, we'll get to what happens with Max, but Max's story was different at the end what happens to her at the end of the finale was different originally they changed it during that quarantine period they also went back in and made eddie a guitar player which he was not originally they didn't they didn't have that missing piece filled in for how are they going to distract the bats and one of the one of the people on staff was like let's have somebody play a rock concert that'd be really fun it's very fitting with this season and whatever else so like okay well who could do that and they're like let's have eddie do that so then they had to go back in and find moments to make him a guitar player. And the biggest one we get is the scene with him and Chrissy in the woods at, the, at that um, like lunch table when they're like talking. And that's a great character building scene, both for Chrissy and for Eddie. And that scene originally, before they extended it, was basically just the drug deal. There wasn't really much else going on there. Like they weren't talking about when they met in eighth grade. They weren't talking about, you know, their past at all really and a lot of that character just wasn't there so i would challenge if you are somebody that is kind of put off by the length of the episodes a lot of the stuff that you probably did love about the season maybe wouldn't have been there if not for the extra length and you know next season they're saying it's not going to happen so don't worry about it <laughs> but let's go ahead and move on to the main structure of this episode what we're going to do is because I don't want to go through the minutia, go step by step by step through the episodes. Um, you know, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you've listened or you watched the season. So you know what happens. So you just want to hear us talk about it. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through different storylines and different groups of people. This season, the Duffers have said this is their Empire Strikes Back season. One of the big things about that is that they separated the cast out, just like an Empire Strikes Back. So uh, you have Hopper and Joyce for the most part in Murray with the new characters of Yuri and Enzo in Russia. And then you have the California people, which is Argyle, Will, and Jonathan with Eleven and then um, Mike when he shows up. And then although 
we're probably going to keep 11 separate, although she does spend some time with them in the early episodes. We're probably going to keep her storyline separate. We'll probably just flow from the California stuff with her into her stuff and talk about her and Vecna. And then we'll move on and end talking about Hawkins and all the characters there. Um, and then we'll have a final segment where we will discuss our thoughts and predictions for the next season, as well as to try to, try to figure out what songs would work for us if we were under Vecna's curse. So you can look forward to that at the end. So let's go ahead. We'll start off with the Russia storyline. Well, this is how we're going to do every, um, every story arc. What we'll do is we'll just give our overall thoughts on the things we liked and didn't like, and then we'll go around and talk about some highlights from those arcs, some certain things that we really did like from those story arcs. Okay, so go ahead and do overall thoughts first. Carson, start us off. So for this story arc, I felt like it was generally pretty well paced. Um, I did like they. I didn't feel like they spent too much time on it. Obviously, you, I know you mentioned that like if there was um, like some fat to trim off, it could have come from this potentially. I I liked. I enjoyed the arc. I I agree. It wasn't. I didn't think it was one of the best ones in the show. Or I mean, in the season rather. Um, and I understand people maybe feeling feeling like it was slow, but the amount of storytelling that actually occurred, like when you kind of think about it and just recall it, um, there wasn't much of storytelling that occurred in this. It was just like, it's pretty consistent and uh, smooth throughout. Uh, I, I don't know when Joyce and Murray actually get to Russia. Um, and you, by this time, you've already kind of, you've already visited Hopper a few times. Um, but all that being said, um, and it possibly feeling like it was slow, um, I did like that it, like, both literally in the show, uh, in, like, the story, and kind of, like, the role that they play to this season in general is kind of just, like, a support role. Like, they support the, the characters, and they're also are just kind of, like, supporting the show to kind of let other things breathe. Um, and so I think that was generally, like, the purpose of that arc. I don't think they, they didn't try to get too fancy with it. You got some fun moments, but... I, I think they did a good job not trying to do too much with this small bit. Yeah. Brooke? I liked the Russia stuff. It wasn't my favorite, but I really enjoyed it because I love Murray. Yeah. Murray is <laughs> he, one of my favorite yeah. characters. He's so good. I, I want more of Murray <laughs> in every season. Yeah, I think like, he's, he's probably, if not, you know, Hopper has some moments, obviously, he's a great character, but I think Murray kind of carries a lot of that stuff. I also really liked the Russia stuff because you got a lot of backstory on Hopper, like not just Hopper's daughter, which we already know, and that is a big part of his character, but like Hopper as a person. Like, do we know before this season that he went to Vietnam? No. And that's a big part of who he is. Yeah, exactly. And that scene is really, really, I think that's, probably the best scene out of all the Russia stuff yes i think it's probably the best of all the russia stuff is it's still it's it's a it's a scene that is like top tier of the season too yeah yeah i think that um overall i think i wouldn't have been upset if there was less of the russia stuff but i was never watching it and actively thinking like man this is rough um it just wasn't my favorite part of the season part of it is they they don't do a whole lot like 
I'm happy they showed how he lived and it was, it was a thing that like it made sense for all parties. Like it made sense how he lived. It made sense that Joyce thought he was dead still. It didn't make anything like too um, like cheesy or not make any sense or whatever. So I, I was happy with that. Um, and it made sense. Uh, now I will say if in season five, they don't do anything with Russia, it will in the big picture kind of feel like a, a weird like side note yeah, like, why is, like why is this here like because you could say the other argument is okay so if they kill hopper in season three then if you just change season three to have the bad guys not be russians but have them be papa and his like people under the under the mall and you just have the reveal that he's back a season earlier and so then like yeah. you can kind of just cut all the russia stuff from the show entirely now they may have a um, angle in season five they they almost never introduce characters to never bring them back if they live and both yuri and um yuri and enzo are still alive and in fact we don't, i don't even think we actually know enzo's real name because it's not enzo <laughs> dimitri dimitri okay we do i'm calling him enzo because that's easier to remember uh, but i mean they don't die they're still there and we know the Russians had a bunch of upside upside down stuff, so I'm I, I'm gonna hold off. And if they just don't, if they don't bring it up in season five at all, then I'm gonna be probably a little like miffed that it didn't ever tie in, and kind of wonder why they didn't make more of that and why they felt the need to do it at all. If they're not gonna make it culminate in something, but this show very rarely just does things without really having a plan to lead to some big culmination, right? So I'd be surprised if we never see Yuri and Dimitri slash Enzo again in season five. And I'd be surprised if that didn't play a part in the next season at all. So that being said, I think, like you said, we can kind of get into some of the highlights. I think for me, the biggest highlight is the scene with him talking to Dimitri, him being Hopper, and kind of talking about how he blames himself and uh, for like everything bad that happens to everyone he loves. Uh, it's a really like emotional scene. And it kind of makes you think like he's kind of just giving up on, on everything. <laughs> it's like a heavy scene, but it's also realistic in terms of people that deal with PTSD and people that deal with some of the stress that comes with losing somebody. Um, it's one of the big things in this season they do really well is showing people dealing with mental illness and anxiety and stress and how it affects them, how they have to work through it. Um, and kind of the, the behavior and the things they say kind of lines up really well. So that's uh, one of the things that I really appreciated with that seeing more about Hopper. Um, and then in volume two, when we get them going into the prison and really like going through the prison where they see all the Demogorgons in their little trophy cases, kind of like the uh, the collector from Guardians of the Galaxy uh, and the piece of the Mind Flayer, like freaking out in there. So uh, that, that those kind of things make me think like there has to be more next season with Russia. But that was something that I was like, okay, it's starting to, starting to lead to something. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, anything else for like, big highlights or moments that you really enjoyed? I'm trying to leave some stuff on the bone. Carson, anything else that stood out to you about the Russia storyline in particular? Yeah, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Demogorgon fights, both of them. Both um, of them. The, yeah. the first yeah. one 
uh, in where he's like, where they do like the fake out lighters not working. And then at the last second, he gets the lighter to work uh, and can use it. Um, that suit that was super. And then obviously the the second uh, Demogorgon fight when he goes out there with the sword and like wax its arm off so and just has to has to one v one it. Flamethrower. Yeah, Flamethrower. that was a great moment too. What's his line to Murray? He says, "You're the something." He like, and they all have a role, right? He's like, and Joyce yeah. is like, "What are you like on the bait?" But he says, "Like you're this and you're that." He says to Murray, "You're the something." Like I don't know, the grill master. I think it's grill master. I think it's yeah. I think it's the you're the grill master. Grill master is funny. Um, what something that was really cool about it was like I felt like they did, um, they kind of borrowed some like Jurassic Park elements for sure. Um, for sure, because not not only do you like like seeing the Demogorgon like in the uh, in the tank, it reminded me uh, of Jurassic Park in three. Is it is it three or the Lost World? When I think it's three because there's actually one in there. Um, yeah, I think I so. think it's in Jurassic Park three. It when when there's a um when they're like going through that that room and they see like the raptor in the in the tank um not only that but then them also kind of like showing that like okay you've seen these demogorgons before but the way i might just be my imagination but i felt like that this i think it was kind of implied that this demogorgon was bigger faster stronger than a lot of the other ones partially because they'd been feeding it and at least that was kind of my understanding And and it seemed like it was like a bigger uh like stronger like i don't know it just seemed more intimidating i guess yeah for sure um so that, that those moments were great and then um i thought the i love the scene um where dimitri confronts yuri about like sabotaging them and it was yeah. like you don't act like you're what are you doing like i know that you're like trying to screw us over um and then he kind of tells him like this is bigger than all of us i know that you want mother russia to thrive but there's not going to be a mother rush if you don't give us a hand here. Um, so that scene, and then Yuri's like helicopter rescue. Um, when you, I think it's in that finale, when you get like in a period of like 30 minutes, you get like five hero scenes yeah. and Yuri <laughs> arriving in the helicopter was one of them. So I, I think those are uh, some of the other highlights that I uh, picked up on. Yeah. I think we're missing at least one big one. Brooke, what's, uh, are there any highlights left? There's a couple of Murray moments that we haven't mentioned yet. I mean, it's not really a highlight, but I wish they would have not told us like a year ago that Hopper was alive. Oh, yeah. I um, wish they would have just let us find out when the season came out. I feel like they, I wonder, I wonder if they just thought there's no way because he's going to be involved in so much that they could hide it, you know? I mean, maybe, but. Yeah, I don't know. Because he'd be on set um, with a bald head and everyone would think, because that's the, that'd be the thing if, if it leaked, he was on set. Fans would just be like, "Maybe it's a flashback, or maybe it's a, a dream sequence, or yeah. whatever." But if he has a bald head, they'd be like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> why is he <Yeah>. bald?" <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. Um, I would say the one one of the big moments that we haven't discussed yet is how, um, Murray taking control of the plane from Yuri with his yeah. kung fu moves. Like you know, everyone, at least ninety five percent of people that watch that were like, "He's actually not going to be able to do kung fu." Then he does like great kung fu. <laughs> it's yeah. very funny. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely some highlights. Uh, I would say like people can easily point to the fact that like they go from one prison-like area to an actual prison and then they escape their prison to go back to their prison to escape the prison and go home. <laughs> there's a lot of like similar things that happen through that storyline. 
So I, I can see the criticisms. I think that if you're a fan of Hopper, there's some great Hopper stuff. Um, and I, I wonder if you put, or we're going to transition here in a minute into the California stuff, but I think having Joyce with the Byers brothers and Mike in Argyle kind of changes that whole dynamic instead of it being like a group of teens, you know, now you have like the mom just hanging around. Like, so I think they, you know, needed something for her to do. So having this outlet for her story, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, not as many great moments for her this season as she's done in the past, but she's always, uh, I mean, Winona is always one of the best parts of the show anyways, but this particular season didn't give her quite as much to do outside of going to find Hopper. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's probably pretty much most of the things there. Of course there is the, uh, the scenes of him breaking his ankles to get out of the chains. It's pretty, uh, pretty harrowing. <laughs> and also is like kind of unrealistic because he like eventually it's one of the least realistic things He's in the show. Yeah. That he runs on them. Which As is, someone you know, who has broken her feet and yeah. then went six weeks before they got them checked out, you wouldn't be running. Yeah. Like, I believe there's an upside down before I believe he can run on those broken ankles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and um, take a quick break. And then we'll come back and talk about the California crew with the Byers brothers, Mike and Argyle. And welcome back. Let's go ahead and get into our thoughts overall on California crew. So talking about everything that happens in California and obviously like Nevada, um, just excluding 11, we'll save 11 for the end uh, of this segment. We'll kind of just tie into 11 here at the very end. So um, obviously things involving 11 in the first couple of episodes, go ahead and mention that whenever, if you would like to. But overall thoughts on the things that happened in California with the buyers, Mike, Argyle, and Eleven Washies there. Carson, go ahead. So the whole, like everything that went on in California was interesting because then, like, I felt like Mike, um, Jonathan, Argyle kind of didn't, I don't, like, they didn't play as big of a role as what I thought they would. Um, they, I, I wouldn't say they were sidelined because that's not the right word. Um, but Jonathan and Argyle don't do much for obvious reasons. No, they're more just comedic relief. Yeah. Which is fun. Um, you do get some stuff with Mike uh, in 11. So I guess I can start there. Uh, I'm not sure. going to like won't get too much into the 11 stuff, but the arrival of Mike in California at the very beginning. Um, I loved how like perfectly awkward that was <laughs> because it legitimately felt like uh, Finn and Noah hadn't seen each other or like talked to each other <laughs> since like the end of season three wrapped shooting. Yeah. Uh, and so it just like had like a weird vibe there. And the fact that they nailed it uh, perfectly was, was awesome. Um, but overall though, uh, without getting into too many specifics, I, I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I felt like Noah and th- I, this kind of is a highlight, but Noah's, uh, Noah Schnapp's acting, I felt like yeah. is, he's one of the, maybe the best kid actor, not really kids anymore, uh, but maybe the best kid actor yeah. in the show, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, part of that is, I feel like he gets a little bit more of an opportunity to 
act like i felt like i mean yeah. like in season two like not definitely not in season one uh <laughs> but in season two and then in this season like i felt like his like highs of putting him in a situation where you need someone to really sell yeah um the, their like emotions and their feelings in this scene i felt like he's put in more opportunities like that than uh than uh, mike's character is yeah. so um um but i really like the urgency and kind of how they were kind of like a race against time um, throughout everything and the whole um, dynamic of the military aspects, which that also ties into 11. But the fact that they were like, they're like two separate military factions who were kind of like one they were working with, the other one was chasing them. Um, that kept things exciting enough. Um, so um, I thought it was really solid altogether. Yeah. Brooke, any overall thoughts before we get into specifics? Uh, overall, um, I've been hearing a lot of people hate Mike this season, <laughs> and I don't agree with that. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Do you, is it just because, do they think he's like a jerk? They think or he's they just like, yeah, they think he just doesn't care about anything, but uh -oh. Here's the thing. First of all, his only med male influ influence is his father. Ted Wheeler, who is a comedic who genius. Who boy all day. Yeah. <laughs> and second, do we know that he knows that Will is gay and in love with him? Well, no. It's pretty clear he hasn't, though, I don't think. Because he, we've seen... So then you can't get mad at him yeah. for, like, being oblivious to Will very obviously being in love with him yeah well it's also like it's also the 80s so yeah that's the thing there's a lot of there's a lot of like there's a lot of minutia nuance that's the word yeah ignoring there's tons because even the like, show itself is jerk. yeah even the show itself isn't being incredibly clear about yeah. will i mean noah schnapp I don't know if this has happened since the last two episodes aired, but before the last two episodes aired, he has always said it's up for interpretation, meaning like yeah. it's inconclusive if he's gay or not, which many people were like, he's definitely gay. Uh, and obviously in the last two episodes with the moments that he gets with both Will, both Mike, I mean, and his brother Jonathan kind of make it pretty clear to me, but it's never explicitly stated. And I don't think yeah. Mike... And we don't, we don't think, I think there's a chance Mike knows that he's gay. I think there's no chance Mike thinks that he likes him, right? Yeah. There's a season three moment where he says, Mike says something to him about like how he doesn't like girls, which that could be taken as like, you're not into girls yet you're not old because to. you're not, yeah, because you just aren't there yet. Or it can be taken as, I know you're gay, but it's not explicit. And it's not clear really either way what Mike's thinking there. So it's it is one of those weird things. I think that maybe I wonder if some of that backlash started before the last two episodes because to me he kind of has a character arc where he isn't a great boyfriend necessarily. He's not a great friend for sure, and then he yeah. kind of makes up for that to some extent in the last two episodes. And part of it's also on Will, like he <laughs> like he's all he's helping keep Eleven and Mike together because he's such a good friend, but he also clearly has feelings for Mike. So it's just a really strange dynamic that I guess we're going to have to wait to see what happens in the next season with that. But 
I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they just if they have Will move on because then they have him realize and then have him move on and find a different love interest next season because I don't see how that could end in a way that will not make Mike look like a jerk. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but for me, um, I mean, I, he didn't even wish him happy birthday. That's the weird thing. So this they, show, yeah. The Jeffrey brothers completely like retconned that whole thing. They've been like, oh, we forgot. We're changing yeah. his birthday. And they changed his birthday? No, no, no. Yeah, they, went they didn't change his birthday. Season. They just they just yeah. said that they for like they didn't no, they realize when doing it. And changing what she says his birthday is. They're gonna edit what she, what, what she says. Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen this. Either way, it's really funny. So if you if you missed it, the day that Mike flies in, right? Yeah. It's the same day where they're trying to get through to Will in season two and trying to tell him. Do you remember when this happened? And, 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 that, and you know, me and you did this and me and you did that. Uh, Joyce mentions his, his, his birthday and gives a date. It's the date that Mike flies in to visit, you know, the buyers in, in 11. And so they, they just never mention it. So everyone was like, well, maybe like they're going to bring it up later that everyone forgot. Like, no, they, they didn't. They're, the Duffers even themselves Literally forgot. <laughs> so funny stuff. But for, you know, it, it, as always, Will gets the short end of the stick. So, uh, yeah, I think that getting to some of the highlights, part of the things I really like about this storyline, um, Argyle and Jonathan, great comedic relief, like fantastic comedic relief. And um, what they do end up doing with Will emotionally, I think is really good, really strong stuff. The scene with him and Jonathan is really good in the in the back room of Surfer, Surfer Boy Pizza, is that what it's called? So, that's a great scene. Um, the stuff with uh, the agents that so like that whole one shot or one take where they get attacked by the military basically, and they're trying to hide out in the buyer's house, and the two agents are trying to get them out of the house safely. The great action scene, like one of the best action scenes in all of the show. Uh, Is that one take? Yes, it's well, it's filmed as one take. That. Yeah, it's one of the that's few things cool. they have a they had a. Th- a third or second unit that was led by a new producer. Um, and I saw an interview with him. And I can't remember what his name is off my head now. Sean Levy, Sean Levy, who most people would know, uh, maybe they don't know him by name, but he's been involved in lots of good stuff. Um, and he, I think he's been, I think he's been in movies as an actor before too. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong by that, but his face is like very familiar. Like there are a lot of people that have been in movies that I don't know their face and I know his face. Like um, some of the writers like or cinematographers and I know their names because they're always in big movies. I don't know what they look like, but I do know what he looks like. So either way, he had the idea to make it one take and they had to like rehearse it like over and over and over, obviously, because one small mess up and it's just like start all the whole thing over. So that's that to me is one of the big highlights um, without getting into the 11 stuff. A lot of this, what they do give Mike and that whole crew, the four guys, basically Will, Mike, Jonathan and Argyle, when they're trying to figure things out, right? There's a lot of moments of like, okay, now what do we do? Right. So then they figure out the pin, they figure out um, what Nina is, all this stuff with 
Argyle. <laughs> Sounds like a little girl, man. Uh, all that stuff. There's a lot of like, they give them moments to show their, like what they've learned along the way, basically, and how they're, this is not new to them. And they can kind of figure out what way they should go next. The scenes with um, Dustin's girlfriend. What's her name? Susie. Susie, yeah. How could I forget? Stuff with Susie in their house. That was a big highlight for me. Anything else? I, I'm kind of just rambling at this point. Any other highlights that I'm missing from the California section, Carson? How much of the military stuff counts? All, all of it except for 11. So I guess the death of Dr. Brenner? I mean, that's, yeah, we can, I mean, we can go ahead and start to transition to like get into that stuff. So that to me is probably more with 11. So we'll say that. But anything else? Any other highlights that we're missing here? I mean, I think this section of season four was really just for comedic relief. For yeah, the most part. especially before we get into where, where 11 joins in. Uh, uh, 11 rocking that girl <laughs> with a roller skate. How did yeah, we, we forget about that? Yeah, we didn't get into that yet. Which is funny, when she did it, I was like, that should really mess up her face. And I just didn't have faith they were going to like really show her face. And then they did. It was like, there's a hole in her face. Like, okay, they actually did it. <laughs> so yeah and the, the bullying is a little over the top i do understand people are like oh it's kind of like unrealistic but but that's part sure. of stranger things being like a period piece to me that's, is you watch true. any movie from like the 80s or even the 90s that involves bullying like it that's is how it was ruthless like yeah. absolutely ruthless also like, like bull- bullying was worse back then like it was yeah. it, it, i mean as a teacher it definitely still happens and it's still pretty ruthless, but it was, it was, it seems to me like it was more pervasive. And so, I don't know, somebody may disagree with me on that. That's fine. But it's definitely something that, like, it's a little over the top, but like, it's not unrealistic necessarily. So that's fine. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and jump into Eleven and her storyline. Overall thoughts on what they do. With a, there's, there's so much here, but just overall opinions on what they do with Eleven, Carson. I thought it was executed perfectly. Um, they, I, I feel like we bring this up all the time, especially on this podcast when we analyze like how things are done in shows or movies, but they walked the perfect line of show don't tell where they just kind of in those flashback scenes where they go back, show you the exposition and they all of a sudden they, they have the tell and the twist of um, Vecna's identity and everything that happened in the lab. Um, so the way they executed all that without just Brenner being like, hey, this is what happened. It's they had the whole Nina project thing where she goes through uh, recalling all these memories. Um, so I thought the way that they did that was just executed perfectly, like probably could not have been done much better. Yeah. Brooke, what about your overall thoughts on stuff with Eleven and Vecna? Yeah, yeah I agree. I could watch the whole season of just yeah. Eleven there because it was so good. And the very first time, um, what's that? What's the actor's name? Jamie Campbell Bauer. Yeah. The very first time he came on screen. I don't know if it was just me, but I knew he was going to be evil because <laughs> that man never played anyone good. And I was so excited yeah, I 
what we can get into that for a second, I guess. Did anybody, so when he first mentions one, I knew he was probably one, but I did not know that one was Vecna or that Vecna was Henry Creel or that one was Henry Creel. I just thought like the way that he talked about one, I was like, oh, you're definitely one. But I didn't go beyond that. Did anybody else kind of get where they were going ahead of time very much? Like, did you kind of predict it or see it coming? I think I was like you where I knew he was one as soon as he said he knew one. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I have a friend. I, think, I have a friend who had powers, and, you know, it's a sad story what happened yeah. to him. I'm like, yeah, it's oh, you. <laughs> oh, and by the way, you and I are alike, 11. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. we're similar, when he, especially he when says he that, said that, yeah. like, I was like, okay. said both of them. It wasn't just one or the other. It was both of them. It was the combination of those yeah. I think it was season or episode, it was like the end of episode six when they revealed that, wasn't it? Six or seven. Because it's nine episodes total. I think it was, I want to say it was seven. When they reveal that he is, no, it might be six. You're right. No, 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 no. I think it was the my end. Notes, my notes uh, say seven. Okay. <laughs> my, my notes say seven. Because it was like, it was the episode like right before they revealed it where I started to pick up on, oh, he's, one is Vecna. Yeah. But I don't think I connected Henry Creel to one. I was like, where is the Creel family coming into yeah. this again? I, I definitely started to connect the dots in the scene, like when he leads her down and is trying to get her to escape. When he takes um like there's some moments in that in the, the same scene, that scene where they reveal everything is like 15 minutes probably. It's super long because it's just like one continuous scene from her from him taking 11 down to like letting her escape to then like getting her to pull out his inhibitor chip or whatever you want to call that thing that keeps him from using his powers his restraining bolt david yeah for then from <laughs> two star wars references in like 10 seconds uh then to him killing all the guards and them fighting and, all that, and his big reveal all that stuff is like one big scene i think I, I don't think they break it up with anything so uh, it's a pretty big big chunk so uh yeah like i i'm trying to avoid going into vecna too much and just stay with 11 for a little while um for the 11 stuff i was pleasantly surprised by the effects on young 11 they used them pretty sparingly uh they weren't perfect i won't say they're perfect or that they were like amazing they were good enough and they very frequently did this thing where they would have young 11 like look into a mirror or you would see her in a mirror and then it would like pan out and it would just be like modern day millie and so they could just like that way show you this isn't actually millie you know this isn't actually 11 now but it's her remembering it so we're going to show you her and her current like age because she's it's her memory so they can do that to avoid having to spend a couple hours of footage, maybe probably maybe even two hours of footage with the CGI 11 that looks close, but not quite 100% right. So I, I liked that. Uh, I, I liked the whole Nina Project idea because it, it, I was trying to figure out like, how are they going to give her powers back? Like, why did they go away in the first place? And the whole reveal that like, not only are they gone but they've been there like we haven't seen her at her best until 
after she finishes the Nina project. So like, not only did they did her powers get taken or whatever in season three, but even when we met her in seasons one, two, and three, she wasn't as powerful. So from the moment that she pushes Vecna through the portal, she like started to lose her powers and started to have like a lesser version of her powers from then on. Um, and the design of like, they wanted to show us this backstory, which is really important to Eleven, really important to the entire show because of how important Vecna ends up being. They wanted to show us all of that and there's no good way to do it outside of this. Like they could just do flashbacks, but that would be like massive chunks of flashbacks. Like flashbacks are usually a couple minutes max. They're not like a half hour, hour of footage. So to give us a plot reason to dive into Eleven's memories, to then give us this information, I thought was really uh, creative. So um, really appreciated that. Anything we're missing? Oh, well, there's obviously uh, we can try to like figure out the best way to navigate this. Let's save Vecna for a little while. But any highlights from Eleven um, up until like up through the Nina project going in towards, you know, where she meets back up with Mike and all of them. What are some of the highlights from that season, that chunk of the season? Carson, go ahead and lead us off. I think the the helicopter scene is like a must, um, like have in every season. Like you have to have the moment where Elle comes in, flips a van or does something absolutely bananas, pulls down a helicopter. Yeah. Um, where, where it's just like super cool. So um, you got to have that moment. So I was glad that they included that. Um, and I, I did want to kind of touch on one of the things, like you kind of started to go down that road um, in terms of how they utilize the flashback and like with how they adjust like the effects of Elle and it being her memory. Um, but I did like that they, like, I feel like it is kind of important how they explain like even her kind of somewhat like stunted mental capacity in that how like after she had her first uh encounter fight with Vecna she forgot uh things like how to use her powers and just this is me personally but like my head can kind of tells me that if you can lose like super power, like psychic a bit uh like not psychic but um what's the word on psionic I mean it's it's telling yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's those abilities psychic. Um, it could it would impact like more cognitive abilities too, like yeah, like speaking. Um, and so like in those flashback Brenner scenes, even, what Brenner what? even says that he says, "I doesn't he have a line about like you didn't speak for months or something after hey, that happened?" That sounds familiar. I can't remember I don't know. now. <laughs> it's been two months. But, like, that's, that's <laughs> but even, even in those flashback scenes, scenes, it's like it's important to realize that those were memories. So like even on top of that, not even like. It's not like what we see in those, it's not 100% what actually occurred. So for like, um, I saw like a lot of people who were like, well, how can Elle speak so much better in these, like in the past? Well, it's like, it's her remembering those events through her like current knowledge base and in her current state of mind, not literally what happened. Yeah. Um, so I felt like, I, th I thought that was just like a cool addition of how they kind of did that. Um, and then obviously like the stuff with Brenner was huge um, and like, I thought that the way they just like went about that was super cool. Cause although like he does bad things, he's a pretty bad guy. I loved how they humanized him and kind of like showed his genuine care for the kids in the lab. And especially in that first opening scene of episode one, 
where um, he's like clutching as it, it, 10 in his arms yeah. after he wakes up and finds him um, dead on the floor. And now he's like crushed by this loss. Um, I thought that was like a really, really interesting way to tell that story that I didn't uh, see coming. Um, and then on top of that, like L's refusal, like and as he's dying, like L's yeah. refusal, he's like, tell me you understand. Uh, and then she just like looks at him and is like, I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't understand how you were able to do all these bad things. I think um, it's really important. Yeah. And, and so uh, just like the thematic elements there and just what they did with Brenner was far more than I think anyone really saw coming. I am very glad they kept him pretty, to me, pretty solidly as a villain. Um, make him complicated, make him, you know, multifaceted. Um, make him work with the heroes. Like he's kind of, kind of on the good side. In like he's, on, he's on the good side. It's just his motives and his motives aren't always pure. And his, um, like his actual actions, like the things that he wants, like the way he wants to do it. Right. So like Owens has his, like his plan. And Brenner's like, no, I'm gonna do it this way. And Brenner's yeah. way is usually a little less clean, <laughs> a little more <laughs> morally ambiguous at best. Um, I mean, he traumatized these kids. Like he cares about them. That's pretty clear. Yeah. But like he cares about them in the way that like kidnappers can, could care about the kidnappy. You know what I mean? Like it's still messed up what he's done over the course of the his whole story. Um, some of which we got in this season, some of which we got in the earlier seasons. I think he's still pretty clearly a villain, but it's better to have a complicated villain that thinks he's a good guy, that thinks he's doing what's right in the situation. That's always going to be more interesting, more compelling. And but I think it's important to like have the show tell us he's still not good, really. So Eleven being the one to not really like basically say I forgive you or yeah. you know kind of acquiesce to his. Uh, request at the end of his death i think kind of shows the show's opinion of him is like yeah he did some good things he might care about the kids but ultimately his methods are so flawed and he's done some bad things to the point where he's not really a good guy yet or still it's like on top of that like the more like in the more direct uh like character foil between um brenner and owens is like you kind of like you you understand it in season one, two, and three. Like you're like, yeah. okay, Brenner. Then you kind of have like the opposite of Brenner, like someone you actually can trust, kind of in the same role, leading, like in is in control of Hawkins' lab, but very much like a pretty blatant character foil. But then just like having the like the writers having the wherewithal to just be like, all right, now let's put these guys on the same, like let's force them to work together and still kind of uh, display that. Um, that character foil there that was uh, i yeah. i enjoyed seeing that further developed i have a couple other things to mention in this area but before i do brooke anything else to add highlights from 11 i mean the highlight for me is the brenner reveal that yeah. one he was still alive yeah you think he dies in season one and two just his character as a whole i know you guys just spent like five minutes talking about how he's so obviously a villain but I gotta be honest, I was with him until <laughs> the last couple episodes. Yeah, I, I don't like, think he oh, does okay, anything. He's trying to redeem himself. Yeah, I don't think he does and anything he was like, super bad in this season, except for the flashbacks. The flashbacks, well, and then at the very end, when he's like, mm, "We're gonna try," I'm gonna try and get back to Henry Creel. Yeah, 
well he's like clearly manipulating like, these little kids against each other like having them compete against each other through the, these like pretty cruel like like the flash like what he does in the modern day in this season nothing really that bad except for the last couple episodes where he's trying to basically like force Eleven's hand um yeah. but the flashbacks and the stuff he does in season one there's some pretty cruel stuff to kids <laughs> but yeah i mean i think he's a fascinating character and i'm i'm glad it's that like he was they, brought back they gave him a redemption arc to just loop back around <laughs> to yes. how evil he was at the start but i think one of the most interesting parts about it though is that like in a way he did and they and they i forget who says it l maybe even admits it or is it oh i don't remember who exactly says it but um, in a way, like it, they end up showing, like he was right in terms of L was not ready um, for, like she wasn't ready to, to go save her friends. She wasn't yeah. ready, like she needed to stay yeah. in further uh, grind for XP. <laughs> <laughs> um, she needed to keep, she needed to keep like training or whatever uh, to expand her powers because she goes and then she isn't strong enough and is like, well, if she would have done that who would who knows how things would have turned out but so i think yeah. it's like kind of being like in a way he was correct in terms of uh his uh disagreement with owens i thought that was yeah. a really like another interesting layer to add the, the the timing would have been off because vecna would have killed max right so then he would have had the fourth kill and then you know because like the time she barely made it in time when she did leave early so like he wasn't, he was right that she wasn't ready, but he was also wrong that they had more time. Mm -hmm. So again, it's just like, it's cool that they have him be so complex. I think that for me, one of the last things, everything after Brenner, I really, really loved how they gave Eleven a chance. And this probably isn't the first time, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything else, but it probably isn't the first time. But I, I can think of times where in the past, other characters, have said, oh, we should do this with Eleven's powers, or we should have Eleven do this with her powers. Like, here's the plan. Eleven does this, and I do this, and whatever. This season, it was like, Eleven's like, no, I can go see Max from here, so let's get us, um, you know, so, so find me a, a tank, basically. Figure out how you can give me a tank, and I can get and go fight. So she was the one that she knew her powers and knew how to use them in, in a way that would help um, the people in Hawkins, which I thought was really cool, and the tie everything back together back to the Surfer Boy Pizza was was pretty pretty fantastic. So um, yeah, like when what's the line when oh when she first sees Max, she says something like I mean Max is like are you real? And she's like yes I'm real. He's like well I'm not here I'm in a pizza dough free pizza dough freezer or something like that. And Max is just like so confused. It's such a great and little she like, says something about like I piggybacked here and Max I, yeah I piggybacked. Like, from a pizza dough freezer, I think is the line. And it's just like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's like, it's like shit, Max doesn't understand like three fourths of those words. Uh, it's just a lot of good stuff. I think I wrote it down. So I piggybacked from a pizza dough freezer. Yeah, that, that's the actual line. It's like, that was one of the things that I wrote down. Um, so yeah, that is, and also the, the pizza, the pizza, the surfer boy pizza guy in, um, where are they at, Nevada? In Nevada yeah. is like being so much like Argyle. It was so funny. And then just like speaking, like bro to each other like it was very fun um i think that's pretty much it before we get into vecna so i think let me see i think we should save vecna for 
the other particulars about Vecna for the Hawkins storyline. So we are going to take another break and come back and talk about everything with Hawkins as well as our main villain, Vecna slash one slash Henry Creel. And welcome back. So we are going to actually end the episode here. If you're watching or watching, you know, if you're listening, you probably have seen the runtime and realized the show is almost over. How are they going to talk about uh, uh, all the Hawkins people? Well, we're going to save the Hawkins crew, their storyline and everything with Vecna for next week in our part two episode, as well as our thoughts and predictions moving forward with the final season of Stranger Things and our personal song, uh, Vecna songs or Vecna's songs to break Vecna's curse. That's probably how that should be worded. So look forward to that next week and we will see you guys then.